You're listening to the Art Problems Podcast, episode 35. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And on this episode of the podcast, I want to talk about navigating change and health. This topic came up thanks to the suggestion of an artist on threads, Meta's answer to Twitter, who is suffering from chronic illness, as well as a visit that I made to Gowanus Open Studios this weekend, where all the artists in the room were dealing with injuries of one kind or another. And I just want to offer the disclaimer here that one, I'm not a healthcare professional. Uh, I'm just telling you, I think what I've read and what it, what works for me. And two, if you're here for the nuts and bolts advice about art, this is a short podcast, but this podcast probably won't be for you because it's more about managing your life and your body so that you can get into the studio more. So to use myself as an example, I've had a hip injury for about three years that is now mostly gone away. But at one point, it was so bad that I couldn't walk more than a mile. And these issues that I've had that I think many of us start to have as we get older bring up concerns about one, managing the cost of your health. Two, your lifestyle how much time you reasonably want to dedicate to maintaining your body just so you can use it. And number three, how much you're willing to adapt your practice so that you can make your art on your own terms. So let's dig into these issues one by one. So first is the cost of managing your health in the United States, which can be significant. I grew up in Canada, so my feeling is that healthcare should be free. I'm also of the mind that this should not be a controversial opinion. Everyone has the right to good health, not just rich people. And it's worth noting here too that being rich does not cure various ailments or cancer or anything like that. It helps in pretty much all aspects of health management, but it's not a panacea. Anyway. The system in Canada is not the system we have in the U.S. And for this reason, and for a lot of other reasons, illness prevention and management are key to keeping your costs under control and quite honestly, having a good life. And I am here to tell you that it is possible to do both of those things. As somebody who spent years on Medicaid, I can tell you that finding a good doctor and using cheaper alternatives like acupuncture schools and those sorts of things, they really go a long way. I've managed to get very good quality of care at a very low cost. I'm not on Medicaid anymore, but uh, I think the point here is that If you are struggling financially, there are solutions, but there is a time investment. Now that time investment exists pretty much no matter what, because you've got to find the professionals that you're going to work with. It took me years to find a good GP, but now that that work is done, you know, both me and my husband use the same doctor. We're inside a large hospital system in New York, so our records are easily tracked. It is easy to manage our health. Now, one of the problems that I think many of us struggle with is just figuring out, like, who is even doing a good job 
when you don't really know shit about medicine or how the body works. I am not a I'm doing my own research kind of person. I happen to think that years of medical experience outweighs the sum of my Google searches. Thank you very much. And yes, I still do the Google searches, but I recognize the limitations of what I can do. But my point here is that this takes a lot of time because we don't know that much. And the other thing about this in terms of, I think, navigating, finding good professionals is trusting how we feel, you know, because that is the true metric. Like, how did this treatment make you feel? So don't dismiss that. I've had physical therapists give me advice that was complete nonsense. I've gone to acupuncturists that have made the issue way worse. And to be honest, I found it hard to trust my own body's reaction to that because I felt like I was not a professional, you know? By contrast, I've found people who have solved problems I didn't think were possible to get solved. So the moral here is, one, always get a second opinion. If you know something is not right, get a second opinion. You will be surprised how much will get solved if you work on it. Number two, trust how you feel. And this is something, like I just said, I've found particularly challenging because this is where self-doubt can become dangerous to your health. And, you know, I don't have a foolproof solution to this, except for years of using the system in my own experience. And the reason I bring this up is because I know that so many of you avoid the doctor, and I don't want you to do that. You may be fine now, but when you need one, usually you need more than one when you really need them. You need a support system in place to get good care. And that doesn't happen overnight. You have to build it and be ready for it. Because the fact is to maintain your your health, you need more than one expert and not all experts are created equal. It's like managing a team. I've gone to naturopaths, physical therapists, chiropractors, acupuncturists, and regular old doctors for treatment. Each one has had a different purpose. And let me tell you, I did not always get it right. You don't necessarily know what's best for you until you do that trial and error. And it's better to do that when you're healthy than when you're not. Now, the second part of this is how much time you're willing to dedicate to the maintenance of your body so that you can use your body in the studio. So this weekend, I spoke with a painter whose repetitive mark making had left her with a fairly serious shoulder injury. So her PT had advised her to make smaller works, which she was doing. But she also, you know, didn't want to dedicate vast amounts of time that would have been required for the full recovery, which, you know, I totally get. It's fair. I've gone through that myself. The question I think that's important to ask yourself is how much can you reasonably do for recovery? And is that time spent on the task worth the effort? And also, what are you hoping to achieve with that? So I've been reading the book Master of Change by Brad Solberg. And in that book, he talks about how happiness is directly tied to your ability to accurately set expectations. 
So for example, he discusses the Mayo Clinic's Pain Rehabilitation Center, which helps patients overcome pain by shifting the expectation that it will all go away entirely and giving the mind the expectation rather that some pain is okay. That way you learn to tolerate the pain better. And that way you actually get yourself into a place where you can eliminate a lot of the pain. So tolerating discomfort is a skill that we can use in life and in the studio. And when we give the brain something to look forward to, not only can we tolerate more stress, but we actually choose more stress as the preference. So according to one study in this book, people who were given a choice of waiting in line for 40 minutes in a line that moves excruciatingly slowly, for some reason, I just imagine this being the line at the Met, or waiting in line for 50 minutes, the last 10 of which the line moved really quickly. When they were given that choice, people overwhelmingly chose the experience of waiting in line longer for 50 minutes rather than 40 because the last 10 moved more quickly. So if you want to produce more in the studio or do the things you've been avoiding in your studio practice, a good way of getting them done is to literally reward yourself for doing them. Probably the most relevant study cited in Master of Change ties to the question of adaptability. So Stolberg cites the painter Serge Hollerbach, who fused expressionism and realism as an example. He moved to the United States in like 1950, but in 1994, at the age of 71, he was diagnosed with macular degeneration. He'd won all these awards and was quite well known for his paintings. And he was left legally blind. He saw everything in a blur. And he realized at that time in 1994 that he couldn't get his vision back. So he switched the kind of painting he was doing from relying on realism to what he called his quote unquote inner eye. So in other words, he adapted his relationship with the craft and the attitude that he had was that the loss of his vision, like it wasn't entirely positive. Like he gained something that he might not have done otherwise because of the blindness. So the adaptation was viewed not entirely in a negative light. Like there was some positives to that. So if the Hollerbach example recalls the cliche, like make lemonade out of lemons, the waiting in line study tells us that we don't even need the lemonade. If we realize we're not going to have to eat lemons for the rest of our lives. So being able to picture who you want to be in the world, what you will make and how you want to live, that takes a large amount of creative juice which is why artists are so good at it and part of why I believe we have such a high job satisfaction rate in this industry. Given the difficulty of succeeding in the field, I think low expectations may also support happiness. We're not aiming most of us to make a bazillion dollars off what we do. But by far the most important aspect of building and sustaining the life you want to live 
has to do with determining how you want to feel on any given day and working to make sure that happens. And none of that just happens on its own. Self-actualization is a life's work and your art is a tool to learn about yourself, to become the person you're meant to be. And that's why it's so important to maintain your body so that you can realize that work. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast.